I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which I create today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Anything out there, whether it's a car or a house, or for that matter, winning an Oscar or a Nobel Peace Prize, don't make us happy. Bitcoin, Tesla, investment property, Tesla, you name it. Give me anything. Private island, yep. um, perfect body. Those two things would make you pretty happy. <laughs> they would for a while, mm. and then they'd wear off. Because anything we get from the outside, you know, you can think of will make us happy for a while if it's a really great thing that we want, and then it will wear off, and it will take differing amounts of time. I'm Alison Rice, and welcome to Offline the Podcast. These are honest conversations about true self success with the people we follow and the teachers who help us on our way. I hope you find this episode valuable. And if you need support aligning your profession to your true nature, your unique gifts and your passions, I'm here to help. Visit getoffline.co to find out more about Offline's personal and professional development opportunities or follow getoffline.co on social media. You can find me at Alison Larson Rice. Thank you for being here. Welcome back to part two of my honest conversation with Matt Ringrose. Matt initiated me as a Vedic meditator in late 2018, and he's been a steady counsel in my life ever since. Having an honest conversation with Matt is never linear, and that's what I've loved most about our chats over the years. In this most recent sit-down, we discuss the powerful technique of letting go, something we're inviting you to learn how to do, but more specifically, what becomes possible when we let go of our professional attachments and the definitions of success that don't serve our highest possible growth and evolution. Matt being Matt and perhaps us being us, one hour turned into two, so I split this one into two episodes published over what was supposed to be a week, but now is a fortnight, so you're listening to part two. Before we get stuck in, if you believe you need what Matt has to give, then I strongly encourage you to consider enrolling in his guided Learn to Let Go course. Enrollments are open now and close on March 20, 2022. That's a mouthful. He teaches the course a few times a year, and we also want to invite you to use the code OFFLINE10 to enjoy 10% off. Alrighty, let's jump back in. We were discussing how our expectations of life, work, and business evolve as our state of consciousness evolves and increases. Now, this is, of course, perfect and relevant, but for me personally, has had a bit of a melancholy flavor to it. Yeah, when you talk about the evolution of our expectations, the... um, 
higher our state. Mm-hmm. There's definitely been um, times where I miss my ambition mm. and I grieve for the drive mm-hmm. that I had before because I start to think about, if we think about success in the traditional view, mm. how successful I could be mm. if I had that underlying sense of low self-worth still. You mean attachment. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And now operating from a place where um, it's just fine. It's just all fine. It's mm. all going to be fine. And I just – and so sometimes I find myself – and I know you've said to me before, we don't, we don't grieve for a lower state. The hurt, the, my hurt, my hurt. <laughs> yeah, that one? yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, for a start, you're, you're grieving um, a certain kind of body chemistry. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that's, you know, it might not always be positive, but it's a very addictive state and it can be a bit of a thrill ride. So, yeah, you're grieving partly for the cups of coffee and the deadlines and the sales targets and that's, you know, that's one part. But it's a lower expression ultimately because as long as we're um, chasing that, our fulfilment, again, will be dependent on it. Mm. So, yes, sometimes we might hit that but we're still very dependent on an external Mm. set of circumstances for our fulfillment. And what if it doesn't go well, you know? Sure, you had a good run, but what if it all went a bit wrong or you got Mm. a bad reputation or something happened or Mm. a pandemic or something? Mm. So, yes, I think um, a lot of people will will relate to this, Um, but we can move into a whole new, much more beautiful space of appreciation. Yeah, and I feel that. Yeah, appreciation of peace. And also, if you ever feel unchallenged, move yourself into, you know, if we're talking about a lack of challenge, because we could also here be talking about, um, I think it's called itchy shakti. (laughs) It's a funny word, itchy, or is it itcha? Itcha shakti, which is this sense of an itch we can't scratch that nature, the universe brings to us in order to encourage us into a bigger experience of consciousness and a bigger contribution. Mm. So... You know, if you are resting on your laurels, really, then this will come quite persistently and encourage you to then step into the unknown yet again. Mm. There might be something else. So that's for you to explore. We won't go down that. I was going to go down the charm road, but I don't think we should go there. I was going to say, but that's different to charm. No, it's charm. It's charm. Yeah. Yeah. It's charm like, but to scratch your bite. It's quite uncomfortable. Yeah. You see what I mean? Hard to ignore. Harder to ignore because you're looking to relieve a discomfort. Yeah. Whereas yes, Charm versus move in the direction of evolution, so it's a bit yeah. of a different flavour. Mm. What I've been thinking lately is, I guess, this um, belief in what Dharma fundamentally is mm-hmm. and that um, I'm needed in different areas of my life mm. and actually that's where the growth and the challenge is where I used to just attack the business and the work. It's this real, um, real awareness that I know where I'm needed right now. And if I go there, there's a lot of fucking growth that's going to happen. And that's kind of actually the dance I'm doing right now is pretending I'm in the work, but really I'm looking over there going, yeah, my mom, my baby, you know. And also a lot of fulfillment. I think if I may be so bold, we can move you into a deeper surrender mm. into what's happening now and recognize, and we could do that by 
um, just defining Dharma. So yeah. Dharma means contact, actually. It's whatever action, whatever you do in life that allows you to have closer contact with your deepest, truest self. Mm -hmm. And also, and this is the key for your fulfillment, in order to bring the others around you into that contact as well. Mm. So, in other words, everything you do, your true dharma from this point onwards, doesn't matter what you do in your job, actually. I mean, it will, but you get the point. <laughs> Fundamentally, what's important is that everything you do uplifts those mm. you interact with. Whether it's Betty mm. or Tony or members of your space, or the person who serves you fruit at the shop, mm. or somebody who cuts you up with their car and maybe even bangs into you, but you manage to uplift them in that. It might sound ambitious, but this is the most fulfilling life. Mm. And this is actually Dharma. If you do all that, you'll be in such a high state that you'll be doing exactly what you should be doing professionally. And that'll be totally supportive. But you won't have to think about it. Mm. And you won't have to think about it with, oh, what will kind of make me feel good? What job should I do? How much money should I earn? All that stuff. That will all be taken care of if you take care of the fundamental dharma mm -hmm. being your intention in every moment is to uplift. Mm -hmm. It's so beautiful. Mm. It's very freeing as well. Oh, it's like, again, it's, Almost funny <laughs> mm. because it's so simple, really, in a way. Yeah. But money mm. is the other big, the big one. Mm. We do these jobs and build these businesses and grow inside these organizations with the ultimate goal of earning more money for many of us. Mm -hmm. What is the relevancy of the funding? Like, is is this our attachments? Yeah. Because ultimately we don't need it. And I actually loved what Laura Poole said on her episode about choosing which economy you will operate in. Mm -hmm. I also found that very liberating because there's lots of different economies, but we've been raised in a way that says there's just one and it looks like this. But how do we let go of our attachment to earning and that becoming some sort of metric of success? By identifying that they don't bring fulfillment. That's the first stage. Mm. So anything out there, whether it's a car or a house, or for that matter, winning an Oscar or a Nobel Peace Prize, don't make us happy. Bitcoin, Tesla, investment Bitcoin, properties. Tesla, you name it. Give me anything. Private island, yep. um, perfect body. Those two things would make you pretty happy. <laughs> they would for a while mm. and then they'd wear off because anything we get from the outside, you know, you can think of will make us happy for a while if it's a really great thing that we want and then it will wear off and it will take differing amounts of time. Mm. So, you know, you get a new pair of shoes, put them on, then you've nailed it, they're perfect. You get fulfilled. I'm saying, I don't know, the audience might disagree very strongly with me here, but if you really analyzed it, the amount of fulfillment, meaning the amount of time for which you were happy, you didn't feel the need for anything else, and you found fulfillment would be probably, I'm just going to guess, three or four minutes. Yeah? Mm. And then we go to the, the Oscar winner, because studies are done on Oscar winners, and they've been 
you know, acting their whole life and they finally get their Oscar. Does it make them happy? Bloody hell, yeah. Very. <laughs> that night, they're getting all the adulation, the respect. It's wonderful. But the study of Oscar winners shows that after a week to 10 days, it no longer has a positive effect on their emotions that they won an Oscar. Now they've got some new challenge in their life. They're trying to work out if they, the next film can live up to the last film. And basically the fulfillment fades away. It wasn't permanent. And that life starts to come in and the quest for, for fulfillment continues, mm. right? So that's a grand achievement. You think of, you know, I think the common conception is that, you know, celebrities who have everything they could possibly want to buy will therefore have the highest levels of fulfillment. But of course, we know this isn't true mm. either. All of those things, we could try and bunch them together as much as we want. You're still not going to get consistent peace and fulfillment from any mm. amount of acquisitions, from any amount of achievements. So when we look around and we drive around a really rich neighborhood and we get that natural sense of envy, you know, jealousy of these things, just remember that we're actually all in the same fulfillment playing field. Mm. How happy somebody is will not depend on how many cars they have how perfect their life appears to be. It will depend on the degree to which they've tapped into their inner supply of mm. fulfillment. This is totally it. This is why people in Bangladesh, I think, um, I don't know if this is still a relevant stat, but they were voted to be, um, or surveyed to be found to be the happiest people in the world mm. in some of the worst poverty, which is very interesting, mm. isn't it? Because so. I guess this goes to like, say, how many of us, so many of us, I actually wouldn't shouldn't say us anymore because I don't count myself in this pool. We are postponing our professional fulfillment mm. in this quest to get there. Mm. So we know there's no there, there's only here, but it's very hard to make contact with here and now consistently every single day. So how do we do that? Like how do we establish ourselves in being, we can't every minute. It's very hard. This is something that happens naturally over time. Look, there are mindfulness techniques you can use. You know, put the raisin in your mouth, taste the, feel the texture of the raisin. Slowly start to dissolve the raisin's skin. And these are mindfulness techniques. They're hard work. Mm. Like you say, it's going to be hard to remember to do them. When I first started teaching meditation about 10 years ago, people would say to me, are we going to do mindfulness? Are we can do mindfulness things in this. And I'd say, what I had to show them was that mindfulness occurs naturally and spontaneously, or basically it doesn't occur at all. Mm. And a powerful meditation technique turns up the mindfulness mm. each time you do it. So what mindfulness is, is present moment awareness. When, you're in, when you've got a stressed body, mm. as I said before, that stress is clogging up the physiology, clogging up the neurological material, you'll find it harder to be present as you release the stress by your meditation. Then more of it's free and that equals more present moment awareness. Mm. So enlightenment is simply presence all the time. Presence all the time, what does that mean? It means totally absorbing the truth of what's happening at the deepest level all the time mm. rather than putting it through some, some kind of subconscious filter which blocks or distorts the truth mm -hmm. or maybe totally changes it. And so enlightenment is available to us in every moment. Enlight Success yeah. is available to us in every moment. Yeah, so that's really interesting you put those two things in the same sentence. Mm. So success, I think what would be helpful 
for um, your students and for all of us really is to redefine success. Mm. So, you know, and therefore that might help bring us into this. That might be one of the things which helps us reposition ourselves in the process, appreciating the process rather than needing to find some outcome. Mm -hmm. So rather than having success as an outcome, as an achievement or a milestone or something like that, something you've set arbitrarily in your head in the relative, which means I've decided this is a barometer of success. We can go for something more fundamental and universal for success. Success could be, in keeping with what we've been talking about today, a true understanding of what we really are at our deepest level. Mm. That could be our gauge of success and not being kidded into other ideas, externally referenced, smaller ideas of what we really are. And another gauge of success could be the capacity to be so connected with that inner place that we can be happy without everything going to plan. Happy regardless, actually, of whatever's going on outside because there's an interaction with and an appreciation for life as it is, mm. as it unfolds, our place within it, and what it's all moving towards. And when we have that experience, that could be real success. Mm. Surely real success is our happiness not being dependent on things going a certain way. Or being called something. That's all very, very risky because we can't control the outer world. Mm. But the inner world we can become familiar with. Mm. And it provides us all that we actually want and need. So what's it going to take? Because it's like we still have a generation of people being raised in a world with mainstream media, influencers, celebrities, etc., all subscribing to these ideals that we're sitting here saying aren't actually real. Hmm. <laughs> so what does it take? Like what will happen? Does this need to be some mass upgrading consciousness to a point where all of the media is like conscious media and all of the influencers mm -hmm. are conscious influencers? And It happens on an individual level. It's happening at the moment and it takes time. Pandemics might help move it mm. an inch forward. But we might not experience it in our lifetime. What? Oh, no, we won't experience it in our lifetime. I mean, so it depends what we're aiming at. What we're saying is our what state of consciousness for the planet we're aiming at. We're experiencing a higher aggregated state of consciousness today on this planet than we were yesterday because we're in the ascendant cycle of evolution. Um, but that ascendant cycle towards out of ignorance and towards enlightenment is said to take many thousands of years. So it's not about, it's the same principle that we apply to success. Success for us as a race um, is not about a particular outcome at a particular time. It actually mm. comes down to us as individuals. It's always the same teaching. It's about coming back to where we are now and recognizing the perfection of this stage of the process. Even though it feels imperfect. Yeah, it will feel imperfect the extent to which we are missing some of the picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, imagine it's like an upside-down pyramid. 
this consciousness state. So at the bottom, the narrow point, this is the lower state of consciousness. And in that lower state of consciousness, there's less information about the truth of life contained. Hence, it's just like a little bit of surface area there, that little point. As our consciousness rises, as our consciousness raises, it broadens out. And as it broadens out, it contains more and more of the truth of life. Mm. Until eventually, in the highest state of consciousness, everything is contained. And in this bigger picture, everything makes sense and is perfect in its role and its overall contribution to evolution, mm -hmm. even if it seems wrong when looked at in isolation. Yes. In the bigger picture, it all makes sense. And if this all sounds a bit crazy, then just look at the sense of perspective we have in our own lives as our consciousness raises and we contain more information. When something happens and something goes wrong, it seems horrible and we think it's wrong. But then we look back 10 years later and with the benefit of hindsight, we can see its intrinsic and essential role in our overall evolution. In other words, that twist that we didn't see coming in the plot actually needed to happen in order for us to be where we are now. Mm. So this is the bigger perspective. Because I think this would be really helpful for people listening to feel empowered to choose. Like with this awareness that in this lifetime, you are not going to experience um, everybody defining success in the way that we just have. Mm -hmm. so that's a fact. That's definitely true. So with that knowledge, you now have a choice to still explore that definition of success and that understanding of success, knowing that you're still going to have everyone around you playing the old game. Yeah, the more you experience the truth of those two definitions for success, the less you'll care. Mm. Say that again. <laughs> the, more... the more you experience those two definitions of success, of knowing who you really are and being able to be happy regardless of what's happening outside, the more you won't care about other people's opinions. Yes. Because we only care about other people's opinions, because we only care about other people's opinions when we're in a state of consciousness that depends on those external validations to feel happy. Mm -hmm. I think we've landed a very big aha moment that you and I may not have fully made contact with right now. Great. What's up? <laughs> but based on the conversations I'm having every single day in my life, yeah, it's all around this one thing. And so I think what we've just done is given people a lot of their power back and their agency back to mm. decide. Awesome. That's what we wanted to do. So I think that's really cool, actually, and not mm. what I thought would happen in this conversation. It feels like a good practical combo. Okay, a little integration break for us. I feel like we're covering some quite transformational knowledge and I want to make sure it lands for you. I asked Matt to take us through it one more time, that the pathway to everlasting fulfillment and happiness is to let go of the status game and instead get into the wholeness game. So one more time for the people in the back, which is all of us. The status game is the biggest trap. It's, it's guaranteed suffering. The problem with the status game is it's obviously all about comparison. Um, it's about who's most influential, who's most powerful, who's most popular at any particular time. 
But all those things are relative and they're always changing. So it's very hard to ever feel secure as you'll know if you've ever looked at Instagram. <laughs> the other problem with the status game is that you never have real friends or real allies because everyone's a potential competitor. Mm. Everyone's ultimately quietly trying to climb over each other to the throne. So as long as you have that kind of underlying competitive theme, you won't have that true connection. Mm. So the Vedic response to this is to step out of the status game and instead engage fully with the wholeness game. And the wholeness game is this idea that we're all ultimately one thing. Mm. You hear it all the time. It might sound just so abstract, it's ridiculous. But this is the Vedic view. In the ultimate analysis, we're all part of the same thing. And we're all actually on the same side, even though we don't realize it, contributing to the same ends. So if someone achieves something you think is great, that's actually a contribution from part of you mm. to the overall whole. And even if this was just a very abstract idea, I mean, ideally it would be based on some level of experience or the, the idea that this, um, or that this idea resonates in some way. But just think how freeing that would be if you could be truly happy for other people's achievements, it would remove the need for so much negativity, gossip, and also the suffering we bring on ourselves by comparing ourselves. Their success and their talent and their execution of that talent is just an extension of your own, mm, expressed right. in a different way. Yes, that's exactly it. And you become a celebration rather than a competition. Of like, look at us. Yeah. Yeah. And some people have really got that. You know, when you, you, you know friends that just don't have a competitive bone in their body or yeah. seem much less competitive and see how free and happy they feel? It's a very ugly look, isn't it? Mm. When we're constantly trying to compare ourselves or <clears throat> what would you call it? If we're constantly trying to self-validate through comparison. Mm. It's a sign of weakness, really. It's also exhausting. Yeah. You know. That's why I just wish like Instagram would close. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> you just, I thought, I thought, is that the end of the sentence? Instagram would close. Yeah. Like what would happen mm -hmm. to us, or less, everyone listening, let's all think mm -hmm. as an, on an individual level. Yeah. If Instagram literally closed tomorrow, mm -hmm. what would that mean for you, for you and your life? I don't think it would change the state of consciousness of the people. I think the state of consciousness of the people is defined enough in that comparison psychology to create something to replace it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty so quickly. we just go and compare it's somewhere like, else. It's like saying, what if we got rid of, mm, you know, X, X politician because they're awful. Another one would just pop up. The state of consciousness, yeah. Yeah. Some politician got shot. Another so one we're always going to get the outlet we're deserving of based on our state. Yeah, we'll create yeah, it. Yeah. We'll create it. So it'd be nice to think that... That would change it, something. Yeah, deleting but... Instagram, removing Instagram would raise the state of consciousness of the planet. Um, and look, it might do, but my my feeling is that... We'd find another outlet for our comparison. The monster. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and we should also say, going back to doing it with the lights on, that you can do Instagram with the lights on this is it, isn't it? It's mm. being in these places and spaces with 
the awareness and the consciousness. Mm. It's it's how we're in there, not being in there. It yeah. can be playful. It doesn't, you know, claw into your psyche in the same way. And you can even use it for positive means, positive mm. outcomes. Mm. To, to promote your business, which is helping people. That's right. So I want to talk about um, pain briefly. Mm. Do you think, or based on your experience, I suppose, of all the people you've taught and everyone you've interacted with, do you think that we play out our personal pain in the professional arena? Like, does it just become, is really what we're doing, is it just another outlet for our trauma and our stories? And like, is our ambition actually our pain? Any attachment is ultimately an expression of an unresolved emotion. Um, going into the professional sphere, let's think of some examples. Yeah, so if we want to be a really well-known coach mm -hmm. with a big Instagram following that has this big community that loves them, that has all these like online products and courses and speaks around the world, and, and I'm using this reference because so many people I come into contact with want to be doing mm -hmm. this for a, li a living and want that reputation. Um, you could have all of that and be totally resolved emotionally. It's whether you were attached to that and the degree to which you were attached to that. Mm. So this is an idea. Um, we can achieve all of that without any attachment, just doing what we do, moving from charm from moment to moment, totally out of love and a sense of passion for what we do. Um, with no particular attachment to when it happens or whether it happens. And this would be an enlightened approach. But if we created attachments, then attachments can pull us off course because they might not be totally divinely inspired. They're more an individual attachment. We can create suffering for ourselves, which will make us less effective, um, maybe demoralize us and so on. Mm. Um, and we can affect our own health and various other things. Attachment is the issue, mm. not the passion. Not the passion itself. No. All of this talk about letting go of our attachments and more specifically for us as a community of people interested in letting go of our professional attachments, it can leave us feeling a little bit like, yeah, but how? Well, that was true for me anyway. One pathway we'd both like you to consider is studying with Matt through his guided online course, Learn to Let Go. In it, he teaches the technique that accompanies this knowledge. It's been the second most powerful technique I've learned, of course, second to Vedic meditation. In his course, Matt talks about expanding into the infinity of non-pain, which is our true nature. And that part of the letting go technique is about making friends with discomfort. I asked him to go deeper on that as a precursor to what's to come if you do choose to learn how to let go with Matt. So one of the key steps in the letting go technique in the course is feeling it mm -hmm. as a through way to healing it. Yes. So we want the emotions that are tied to the stories mm -hmm. to burn through us. Yeah. 
But talk to us about that invitation because yeah. by doing that, we're inviting something quite significant in to happen. Mm. Yeah, but it's it can sound scary. It can sound scary. Oh, I'm going to have to feel something. thing is you've been feeling something all along, something worse. The thing about letting go is the problem most of us have with it, why we find it hard, is because we think it'll hurt too much. But the truth is it's not letting go that hurts. Not really. It's the resistance to letting go that hurts. We don't actually get as far as letting go. We resist the idea of letting go, and it's in that pushing down of the emotions which want to come up for healing that we experience the most suffering. Mm. So what the Course teaches us is to stop that resistance, and when these emotions come up, don't make them wrong. It's not wrong. It's the body telling you something. The body's telling you, I want this healed. This is coming up for healing. Mm. So what the Course tells you, and literally guided exercises take you through, is allowing these sensations when they come up, which actually signal that the stress is exiting the body. Mm. So rather than like blocking it down as soon as we feel something, this instead, what we're encouraging you, what we're encouraging you to do instead in the course is allow the feelings to come up fully and feel them fully. And when we do that, it stops being this monster. The, the same principle as like in the scary film mm. where the monster, you see the foot, you see the claws, you might see a little bit of the eye and you're like, whoa, this is scary. I don't want to see a monster. <laughs> scary. And then you, at the end of the film, you see the whole monster come out, the kind of dodgy prosthetic. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that is a pretty crap monster. It's very much like that with these feelings. We've been running away from them our whole lives thinking if we feel this feeling, which we have to feel in order to let go, it'll overwhelm us in some way, kill us, whatever. But the truth is, no. When we actually allow it in, allow it to come up, it is a bit like the monster at the end of the film. It's totally handleable. It's some body sensations. And as you allow them, the more you allow them, as I discovered on the boat, if you can fully, to the degree to which you can fully allow the sensations, will be the degree to which they're not even painful as such, so much as a compelling sensation, which is showing you, it's, in, it's indicative of healing, and it's just passing mm. through you. So yes, if you're still resisting it quite a bit, then it can be quite uncomfortable. But the purpose of the course is to get you very accepting of the feelings. So what mm. the course does is it takes you from, you know, the idea of acceptance and letting go, where you're kind of like, yeah, okay, I kind of put up with this, don't really want to, but I will, okay, to deep surrender. Mm. And deep surrender is where you say, all right, bring it on, I want to learn whatever you've got to show me, to whatever experience you have. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, knowing that I can tolerate a body sensation. <laughs> That's it. Because that's all it is. That's all you ever have to tolerate. When you first hear that, it sounds like a weird idea. You think, no, it's not that. It's my kids. Or it's da -da, it's Because this is what I was going to say, mm. is what you're asking us to do in the moment is to feel the feeling and drop the story. Yeah. And don't analyze the stress. Don't mm. it, try and intellectualize don't try and it. try solve it. I think the, th the three ah. steps are, so the, what's the third? Recognize the resistance. You recognize there's something you're resisting and you recognize that because, you know, you don't feel good. Second step is let it burn through you. Oh, no, second step is, should know. Second step <laughs> is don't try and solve it. 
this is the bit you're talking about. Don't enter into speculation. But this is the part that needs a rewrite for us because what we've been brought up to do mm. now, especially mm. lately, is this idea that we need to understand our trauma and yep. we need to unpack our stress mm. and our pain and we need to get to the root of it when actually what I got from the course is you were just saying that part is kind of irrelevant. Well, it's not just irrelevant, it's counterproductive actually in this context. Um, because when you start to think about the sensations or think about the problem, that's actually a means of trying to escape them. So you miss the opportunity. You miss the processing opportunity. What we're looking to do is In process thinking, some old yeah. stagnant energy. And the means of processing the old stagnant energy is simply being with those feelings. I say simply, it's a bit of an act to it, but again... I and that's what I mean, it. is there's an invitation that you're saying yes to that there's going to be a level of uncomfortability. Is that a word? Discomfort. Discomfort. <laughs> I let it go, but yeah, that's the same. I think I've used that lots lately. So weird when weird words land in your mind like that and then you start. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just want people to be ready, you know. I think it's like a duty of care to say like there's going to be a level of, depending on your acceptance around a mm. level of um, intensity that you're going to feel and... Yeah, I think uh, one of the reviews, one of the testimonials was, thank you for this excruciatingly enjoyable course. That's it. Yeah. Um, not And not always excruciating. Not at all, no. Um, but what you're saying is um, relative to the amount you resist it. And so there is a lot of resisting that may happen that did for me. And mm. I have thought I came to it like I've read the book, I've got the knowledge down. Mm. And still, you know. I think really, you know, I said that quote there, but for me it's, let's just say it as it is, because other language is the language of resistance. So what you're going to be doing is learning to experience some uncomfortable body sensations. Mm -hmm. That's what it boils down to. As soon as we start saying excruciating, all these things, it makes you think that's going back into the holding on language. It is. But the whole point is that to the degree to which you surrender to it will be the degree to which it becomes easy and relatively painless mm -hmm. and the goals the deal is that if you can experience those uncomfortable body sensations you will access complete freedom and total fearlessness mm. that's what's on offer because think about it all your freedom or, or your kind of your perceived restrictions on your freedom and all your fear Ultimately, all of that is all because you don't think you can handle these body sensations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very humbling. Yeah. And empowering at the same time. That's why I'm excited for people to experience this course through the professional lens. Mm. Because if we can learn to let go of our attachments to what we have to become, earn, acquire, etc. Yeah how professionally fearless would we be and what would we do is what excites me the most is how would we use our gifts and mm. our skills what would we choose you know whereas what we're choosing right now yeah is that mass consciousness definition of success if you remove the fear then you'll have you'll be just doing the most useful fulfilling frictionless work that's available I hope you've enjoyed this two-part episode with my meditation teacher, Matt Ringrose. 
I've always found his style of teaching to be so expanding, but also so practical at the same time. He's fun. Don't forget that if you want to learn how to let go, Matt is offering all offline listeners 10% off his course using the code OFFLINE10. Visit bondimeditation.com.au forward slash learn to let go. Enrollments are open now and he teaches this course a few times a year. Okay, time for my final question. I asked Matt what true self-success looks and sounds like to him. Yeah, my experience of success is when I don't feel any neediness. I don't need anything to go a particular way. I don't need anything from anyone in order to be happy, in order to feel my own value. And that I'm able to put myself in the right places with the right people to meet the need of the time. Beautiful. What I love most about talking to you, and I think also I will say what I've missed about talking to you because we haven't spent a lot of time together in the last, I don't know, 18 months maybe? Yeah, about that. About it? that. Yeah. Um, is this idea of going off topic and just discussing what's relevant and what's kind of staying true to what's coming through. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate that because I think that's sometimes harder than um, just answering questions. I think we had a real exploration today and I think there's a lot of practical advice. I think it was, I really liked it, the chat, because it was so practical. Mm. Pretty much no fat there, wasn't there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. See you in three years? No. (laughs) I'll see you on Monday night. (laughs) Okay, Monday night. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. Visit getoffline.co to find out more about my personal and professional development opportunities. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to Offline, please share it with them.